You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Like the guy at the intro says, my name is Dan Johnson, and thank you guys for listening tuning in, clicking, whatever it is that you're doing to get to where you get to hear my voice in your ears. But today we have a pretty cool podcast. A friend of the program, Tom Waters, is going to be on the show and he is going to do a product review for us and he's going to review three products and those products are, oh geez, I forget. No, wait, I do know. Cuddyback Cameras. X tree stand, climbing tree stands, and what's the other one? Hex bodysuits. So we've done a Hex one before, and I mentioned it in the actual podcast today, but Tom uh, Tom comes on the show and he talks a little bit about that, and uh, let's see, hopefully everybody had a really good weekend out there today. The weather was actually really nice. So nice, in fact, that my air conditioner has decided to stop working. So right now, I am editing this podcast in just my boxers downstairs in my basement in the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles corporate headquarters, which is my basement. And uh, yeah, so it is my whole entire family sweating. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever had to... Uh, sleep in the summer, but it's going to be one of those sprawl out on the bed. Don't try, try not to touch anybody type of nights. Uh, and hopefully the air conditioner gets w- fixed <laughs> before, uh, gets fixed before, uh, Monday night. I got a guy coming to take a look at it, but 100% of you don't care about my air conditioner. <laughs> All you guys are doing is tuning in right now to hear a podcast about bow hunting gear and equipment and we are going to get to that but first matt klein from exodus trail cameras is going to talk about the importance of trail cameras and actually how they can hurt you as well so listen to what he has to say well that's a great question dan you know we talk about this a lot chad and i do you know sitting around as we're we're trying to come up with new products um, or ways to make our trail cameras better and the fact that since trail cameras have become uh, as big as they have over the last 10 to 20 years, 
they're hugely important. They allow us so many things that were not possible before trail cameras became available to us. You know, I talk about it a lot from my personal stances. Trail cameras have allowed me to evolve as a hunter so much faster than I think I would have without them because I'm able to see what's going on and learn so much about the deer that I'm hunting um, when I'm not in the woods. And, and seeing those things have allowed me to, to kind of pick and choose the places and the deer that I want to hunt so much more than I'd be able to if I was just sitting on a log hoping for the best like it was in the old days. But I will say, I think they do get people in trouble in the fact that, you know, a lot of times this day and age, if we're not seeing that big mature buck showing up on camera day after day, we're hesitant to sit in the woods and wait. And, and I think there are times when that's kind of come back to haunt me is the fact that, you know, no matter how much intel we're able to get, no matter how much, uh, no matter how much digital scouting we're able to do with these trail cameras um, and all the tools that are available to us these days, there's nothing that, that beats putting time in the woods and learning things that are out there. And I think sometimes we rely a little too much on that data when, you know, sometimes you have to shut that switch off and really go in there and figure things out um, for yourself. All right, guys, if you want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit exodusoutdoorgear.com. And now let's get into this product review podcast with Tom Waters. All right. On the phone with me right now is Tom Waters. How's it going today, Tom? Going great, Dan. Perfect. Uh, how's everything going? Actually, where do you live? Um, I live in Prospect, Kentucky, which is a suburb of Louisville. Okay. How is everything going in Prospect, Kentucky? Uh, it's fantastic. It's a great summertime and uh, just waiting for our season to open our season opens the uh, first weekend in september so it'll be here before you know it oh boy so you literally have a month and a half to wait less than that exactly oh yeah. my lord yeah september 4th i believe when i say it out loud it makes everything seem makes me seem way less prepared for my actual season because i'm i open up october 1st and that's two two week two months two weeks away and holy cow, I'm not prepared either. So I think I need to get my butt in gear. Uh, I'm sure. Well, I guess we all do. All right. So why don't you tell us, you live in Prospect, Kentucky. What do you do for a living? I'm uh, an accounts receivable for a logistics company, a trucking company. Okay. How long have you been working there? Uh, just about a year. Um, I've been in the uh, credit collections business for got 30 years and uh, this is kind of a semi-retirement gig for me I, I work there when the uh, hunting season isn't on and then i take off and come back to work for him a little bit in march that sounds like my uh my father-in-law he uh he worked for john deere for 30 years and he he has kind of some he has a part-time job in the winter where he works for a car dealership and he just drives people back and forth to work uh if they bring their cars in to get serviced so once April 1st, let's see, January, February, March, yeah, once April 1st hits every year, he's done. And then he goes up to a little uh, trailer in northeast Iowa, and he fishes until, I'd say, about December 1st, and then he goes back to work again. So he's That's got my hero. Yeah, he's got it made. All right. That's fantastic. So, That's the way to do it. That's right. So today um, we're going to be doing – uh, three products that you, uh, hit me up and you're like, Hey, I want to, 
I want to review some products here. But before we get into that, how was your 2015 hunting season? Uh, you know, it was tough, I think, uh, by a lot of people's standards. I know here in Kentucky, and I also have a friend of mine in Dallas that I hunt with uh, in North Texas with every year, and it was just hot. I mean, the watchword was hot. Um, I didn't punch a buck tag in Texas for the first time in four years and uh, didn't punch a tag in Kentucky, uh, except for I got four does throughout the season. I, I love venison, so made sure to get that. But it was just tough. I think the uh, the heat took it out in a lot of parts of the country. So just a lot, you know, a lot less movement than you were accustomed to seeing? Yeah, uh, movement was down. Um, just the when, when I was in Texas, I was down there for a week, and it was just horrible. It was the um, end of October, and it was like 90 degrees. It was record highs. Uh, so that knocked that down. But just overall in Kentucky, uh, we just didn't see the movement that we normally get. Our temperatures were quite a bit warmer with that El Nino and uh, hoping to bounce back big time this year, at least as far as the bucks go. Right. Now, were you seeing quality deer on trail camera, or was there just less deer, period? Um, I think there was less deer. I know there was less deer on the place that I hunt uh, here in Kentucky. Uh, but more importantly, what deer that we did see as far as bucks and mature bucks, very, very nocturnal, um, more so than normal. And I don't know if that was more pressure. I don't think there was more pressure. I didn't see any evidence of more pressure. The, the main the main factor that we all saw and most of us talked about was just the overall heat, uh, especially during the rut. Right. That can uh, that can definitely kill a rut if that uh, a warm spell comes. And that that's anywhere in the U.S. I agree. All right. So how's 2016 looking? You have, uh, you got bucks on trail cameras already. Are you, you excited? What's, uh, what's the story? Oh yeah. I, I can't wait. Uh, like I said, our season opener is pretty early. And, uh, yeah, after listening to you and also to uh, you guys on wired to hunt, I think my watchword this year is going to be not so concerned on when the season starts, but when the, when the conditions are better. So I'm going to probably not hunt as much and try to hunt smarter, but uh, it looks good. We've got a, I've got a number of decent bucks um, at the place that I hunt. We've got a great number of them down in the, in the uh, Texas spot. And then in addition to that, I've got a chance to uh, hunt on a QDMA. Um, QDMA. Oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Uh, auction that I bid on, and I got a hunt in Illinois coming up. So I'm looking forward to that too. So it should be a big year. Oh, nice. So you I like uh, at a uh, like a QDMA event, and then you put it you. I guess you high bid on a hunt in uh, Illinois. Yeah, yeah. The oh, nice. guy, uh, Illinois Whitetails. You know these outfitters. What they'll do is to support QMA. They'll you know um, give a hunt at no cost, and then whatever the bid raises. And we were lucky this year. Uh, we had the uh, had the QDMA event here in, in Louisville, so I was able to attend that. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I've never hunted in Illinois. You know, heard great things about it. So uh, hopefully, pull a decent one out of there. Perfect. Well, let me be the first to wish you good luck, not only in Kentucky and Texas, but in Illinois as well. So, Thanks, man. I need it. <laughs> I tell you, I'll take luck over skill any day, right? You bet. You bet that's right. <laughs> All right. So products. All right. So you call, you sent me an email and you're like, hey, Dan, I got uh, some products uh, uh, I want to review. And you sent me like a list of 10 or so. And we narrowed it, we narrowed it down to to three that uh, um, uh, that we decided on. And I think what I want to do is I want to start off with Hex, 
that hex suit first uh, because we have already done uh, a podcast. The uh, owner and founder of Hex was on the show and he talked about his product a little bit. And, and it's all it's if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, all the listeners out there go after this podcast, go and listen to the Hex podcast because um, you're going to get a ton of information about that product on that podcast. And today, why I find this this podcast interesting is because we have Tom who has been using Hex for three years and he's going to talk to us a little bit about it. Um, my first question to you, Tom, is why did you decide to go out and purchase a Hex suit? Um, I've, I've seen the uh, commercials and it looked pretty interesting to me. I understood enough to be dangerous about the electronic principle of it in the Faraday cage and it made sense that if we're giving, well, we are giving off electro, uh, electric energy, that that could minimize it. But what's funny is I primarily did it for predator hunting, uh, more so than for deer. And um, I just thought it might be an additional thing that because you know coyote and bobcats are really really tough. I've hunted them forever, and it wasn't that expensive. And I thought I'd give it a shot. And um, I've used it um, for the last three years. Okay. But that's how I found out about it. Was watching the commercials. So what was your uh, what was your jumping point? It was just something like you saw the commercial and you're just and you understood a little bit about the science behind it and on the human body, and then you're just kind of screw it, I'll, I'll give it a try. Yeah, because I don't know if you had a chance to see the commercials, but it, they're not just a commercial. He has he's been running infomercials for right. years. The gentleman right. that you had that I came on the podcast. And the footage is really amazing, and it's not one particular type of animal. I mean, it's you know birds, uh, you know turkeys. He does a lot with that, but elk, uh, deer, and I forget what else that he had on there. But it was intriguing to me, um, and you know I'm always looking for any kind of edge that I can get. Um, so I gave it a shot, and like I said, I've been using it for three years. All right, so. When you when you decided, you know, after you decided to make the jump, um, what was the first animal that you used it on when you were hunting? Um, the first animal that I killed wearing the hex suit was a buck in Texas in 2012, um, about a 125, 130 uh, animal out of a tree stand. Okay, and that was with a bow, I take it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Only bow hunt. Only bow hunt. All right. So. Mm -hmm. I guess with with do you feel that that in regards to that very first buck that you killed while wearing hex do you feel that that suit gave you an advantage during that hunt or do you have a feeling you still would have killed that deer with or without that suit Yeah I'm very confident I would have killed it either way Okay um that particular instance was not one where I mean I my wind was great you know, and I also, you know, not to vary, but I, I use Ozonics. I've used that for years. So, I mean, I, right. I, I had everything in my favor then. I don't think that the hex made a difference in that situation. Okay. All right. So, as you were wearing it your first year, did you see any of the results that they set, you know, that they were talking about in the infomercial? Like they would look around, but they would never, they'd be confused or they would look up and they, they you know, may see something but they don't understand really what it is anything any anything like that yeah i had a couple of instances where i thought that that might be the case and um 
again, not to go off on the ozonics thing, but I think that's a similar experience that, you know, I've heard you guys talk about and that I've talked that I've experienced where there's a level of confusion. It's maybe they don't smell, they smell something, but they're not sure it's muted or whatever. Right. And I had a similar thing with, with the hex in my opinion, again, you know, it's, it's very difficult to prove it. Uh, but there were times when deer, deer looked at me, they saw me. I mean, they knew I was there. Um, they didn't, they didn't blow, they didn't run. They just looked and they went back to, you know, to feeding out as on a field edge. And I was in the stand and I wasn't that high up. I was only probably about 11 or 12 feet up as the tree wasn't that big. And I thought for sure, you know, once they saw me that I was done, but they knew I was there, but they didn't run. Okay. Really, that's the that's the best example of what you're talking about that I've had. Okay. Now, how much did the suit cost? I think again, it's been a while, but uh, I, I looked at their website before we before we did this, and it was like 150. I think when I bought it, it was around 99. And um, basically, what you get is you get uh, a uh, head mask, kind of like a, when you hunt turkey, that kind of a deal, and then um, a shirt. It's like a pullover, and then they're almost like sweatpants, but they're very, very thin. They have a waist, um, a drawstring waist. Okay. Now, do you wear this? Um, do you wear these on the outside of your camo, or you, the rest of your gear, or do you wear them as an underlayer? How do you use it? Yeah, I definitely wear them underneath. Uh, okay. They've got a little bit of a sheen ah. to it. Not bad. I mean, it's not shiny, but. I could send you a picture and you could see. I mean, they just I don't I don't think they're best to be worn outside. Okay. So you feel there there might be some reflective properties that might trigger a little bit of awareness because of sunlight hitting it? Yeah, you know, that's what I would guess and it's just, you know, not quite as um I don't know, it's just a thinner material. Think like nylon or something right. like that. I know it's not nylon, but it just doesn't look as good as most of your quality camo does as far as um texture. Okay. All right. So I want to talk to you a little bit more about your in the field experience with this stuff. Um, walking to and from your truck and tree stand in between there, any, any, I guess, encounters that made you, I mean, did you have any encounters that were, that were, oh my God, it must be the hex. That's how I got away with it. Or did you have any encounters that were like, man, this thing doesn't work at all. <laughs> well, this is going to sound funny to you, uh, but I was um, turkey hunting this spring, and I, you know I'm set up, I'm in my spot, and to the off to my right, I see a, a bird's head stick up, and I'm like, oh god, good, here it comes, here it comes, they're coming down, and there was three of them, and they kept coming, and as they got closer, I could see that they weren't turkeys, they were geese. These are wild Canadian geese. We've got them all around here. You can't throw a rock without hitting them. Okay. And they walked right, I mean, five, three feet, three feet in front of me from where I'm sitting at the base of that tree. And they walked right in front of me. Okay. I mean, just, I could have all, all but grabbed one. Now, does that mean it's the hex? A, I had the hex on. Um, I don't know that it means that. I mean, people have these kind of encounters with turkey. I've had them, you know, maybe not that close, but, and so that's where I don't know. Right. Um, but that's the best example of that and the one I told you where the where the deer are looking dead at me, you know, and are just like, okay, whatever. Right. So um, I know that I, I guess 
I'm going to have to go back and listen to my own podcast again to see what he actually says. But I believe he actually commented that it works better on birds because birds use that um, electricity more than mammals do or they're affected yeah. by it more. So so that could be one of the reasons. I mean, now, did you have any encounters where – you were busted instantly or a deer looked up at you while you were in the tree stand and busted you. Um, any, any type of examples like that where, um, you maybe question the product? Um, I can't think of one where I can say, okay, everything was right except for the hex could be the thing. Like, you know, I've been busted. Everybody gets busted, but maybe the wind wasn't right. Maybe it swirled on me, those kind of situations. Um, but, you know, the hard thing, to, to it's just hard to prove. And, and you hit on the thing that he was talking about there about the birds is basically they're supposed to be able to feel this a lot more. There's not a lot of hard science about either one, but there's less about mammals being able to see this. I, I think the hex does what it's supposed to, what it says it does. I think it blocks those uh, that electric energy. But whether or not the animals are receiving it or not, that's the big piece. And, I, you know, I can't find anything out there that says that it, that it does. Okay. So overall, do you think this product you purchased, when it wears out or let's say you tear it or um, it shrinks in the water, I don't know, or you lose it, are right. you, you going to buy another hex suit? Great question. And no, I don't, I don't think I would. Okay. So it, it didn't have – it didn't have an overall, oh my God, type of, uh, I guess, encounter where you felt like if, you know, for Ozonics, and I'll just use this as an example, there are times that I feel an Ozonics works so good that if I forget it in my truck and I'm already in my tree stand set up, I feel naked without, you know, naked hunting without it. So, I'll, you know, I'll get down and go back to my truck and then come back just because I feel it works that good. Now, it sounds like you don't feel that type of, I guess, uh, you don't feel that same way with the hex suit. I don't. Um, I just, you know, I just can't, between A, not being able to totally verify the science around animals being able to see this, and B, like you said, I mean, it's just not a compelling thing. With the Ozonics, it's a compelling thing. You know, I mean, you have to, once you've used that, you know. Uh, but with this, I just, it was a flyer, and the, the way I look at it, there's no way it hurts you. You know, I think some things like some scent, uh, cover scents and some hunting things that you know we go out and try, they can actually hurt you. But this was something that there was no way it could hurt me, and I really wanted to try it more for predators, and I've had no success with it, uh, any additional success for coyotes and bobcats with it than without it. So yeah, to your point, I, I just don't see it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise somebody to go spend their money on it. Okay. So you, you know, just I always ask this question: You would not recommend this product to other hunters? No, no, okay. I don't think I don't think I could come up with the, the rational reason for them to use it. Okay. All right. Well, there you have that. Um, let's see here. And like I like I said earlier, uh, if you guys want to find out more information about the Hex suit, we did a podcast with the owner. Uh, of and president of Hex, and uh, you can go search that on on the podcast, uh, either at ninefingerchronicles.com, um, hash uh, backslash blog, and you can look, uh, search for it there, or wherever you're downloading your uh, your 
podcast from, whether it's Stitcher or Beanpod or iTunes or whatever. So there's that. All right, on to the next one. And the next one is, let's go with Cutty Back. Trail sure. cameras. All right, so as me and you both know, there are tons of trail cameras on the market, um, and they range from $50 to $600 plus. Um, when you when you start looking for a trail camera, uh, what are some things that you personally are looking for before you make a purchase? Well, I think one thing you and I share as far as our uh, use of trail cameras is I know I would love to, and I've heard you say the same thing, have the ability to have these wireless ones that will you know, send the emails to you. But where I hunt, I don't have uh, significant cell coverage out there for those to be a factor. So right. those are kind of out of the loop. I'd love to have one, but you know, it wouldn't really do me a lot of good. So when I can't have that feature, basically what I'm looking for is dependability, battery use, and cost. And basically, you know, a kind of a... Um, a triangulation of those three issues. Okay. So is there, if, how, how important to you is cost? Um, because we just had last week, we had a, a podcast where the, the guy was getting the trail camera for, for pretty dirt cheap, either through a connection or um, uh, the trail cameras were on sale. And through the, through the sound of, or through the the podcast, we tend to find out that the the trail camera probably didn't function like a majority of us would, but it's a cheap trail camera. So for you, are you willing to spend more money on a trail camera to meet those first two criteria that you mentioned, or is there a is there a, a limit or a ceiling of how much you would spend on a trail camera? Well, there's definitely a ceiling, and I think what it's driven by is the experience that I've had with trail cameras to this point. Um, I've owned three Moultrie cameras for quite a period of time, uh, and they were kind of the entry level before they did this redesign. And I think they cost me, you know, I've got decent deals on them on a website. I'm pretty good at shopping and uh, making sure that, you know, I don't pay too much. And they've worked great. And I'm sure there's better out there, but, you know, these things were dependable. They used C batteries, so, you know, the battery consumption wasn't horrible, uh, but they were bulletproof. You know, I've heard a lot of cameras, like, you get a year or two seasons out of them, and they go they go bad. And I've had both of uh, I've had these three Moultries for, gosh, at least five years. So I'm driven. I have that experience of, like, you know what, I can spend less than $100 for a camera, and it does the job. Now, the other piece of that, though, was I felt I was missing shots or I'd get a lot of blanks. And that's always been the cutty back commercial was like, you know, the fast trigger speed. So I'd always kind of thought about cutty backs based on that and based on the experience that I had with the Moultries. Okay. So did you have when you decided, OK, I need to buy some more uh, some more trail cameras. Were there any other trail camera companies that you were looking at before you decided to buy these cuttybacks? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I listen and read reviews and stuff and hear, you know, different people talk about them. Covert had sounded like something that I was going to look at. And I looked at those. Um, and then the newer Moultries, you know, obviously, since I'd had such a good experience with Moultries, uh, when they did their redesigns, um, they were still affordable. Uh, but I just kind of had my eye on the cutty back cause I really liked the, the trigger speed 
quotient that they talked about because I really had felt that I that I missed more shots than I should. Okay. Um, now you started. You decided. Okay, uh, I like the commercials. The 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 price is where I need it to. You know that that fast trigger speed. Um, how do you how do you use trail cameras throughout the year? Um, that's perfect. I mean, I do. I use them throughout the year pretty much. Um, I use them um, just you know to kind of keep an uh, an idea on the size of the herd uh, in the area that I hunt. Uh, and then as we get into the season or near the season, uh, we can bait here in Kentucky. Uh, so, you know, I'll put them either over a feeder or, uh, you know, minerals to kind of get an idea uh, through the summer as far as what we've got and ship it over later. Uh, but I use them for hunting uh, primarily to figure out where the bucks are and where the movement is. I'll either put them over bait, feeder, mineral, or in a uh, travel corridor. Okay. Now, since you've since you've been using these this Cuddyback camera, um, have you had? Any, I mean, have a majority of your experiences with it been positive? Have you had any? A, I don't know about this type of uh, um, scenarios with your camera. Let's say, like maybe you um, the batteries drained out real fast, or the um, the picture quality wasn't where you wanted it to be, or I guess other things that a trail camera should do automatically, but you know maybe didn't do. Yeah, the um, the reviews and I, I read reviews on them before I bought them, and the reviews have generally said, "No, I'm on the IR trail camera." It's I think it's called an ambush, so it's kind of like the the entry level cuddyback. Um, is what I've decided to purchase. Um, the nighttime photos are not good. They're not as good as the Moultrie that I have, which is a cheaper, older camera. So the nighttime uh, photos are, are not that great. Um, it doesn't have much of a range um, compared to, you know, the Moultrie. Uh, the daytime photos are good. Um, it's an 8 meg or 8 MP, I guess. It's an 8 meg uh, camera. But the nighttime photos aren't, you know, anything to write home about. Um, the the uh, battery usage has not been bad. This this model uses eight double A's. Okay. And um, I don't I switch it up a lot of times. You know, if it's a real heavy heavily used corridor or whatever, I'll only do uh, pictures. I won't do uh, video. But even doing both, I would say that the the uh, battery usage is as good, um, if not better, than the uh, Moultries that I have. Okay. Let's see here. Um... With, you know, when you're, when you're using these, um, uh, you mentioned that the, the nighttime camera pictures just, they're not very good. Um, and you said something about the range. So the, the, they're infrared, right? So is the infrared range not going deep enough, wide enough? Um, is, are they really grainy nighttime photos or what's the, what's the story? What makes them not good? Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head. They're grainy, uh, and unless the deer or whatever it's taking a picture of is within probably ten to twelve feet of the camera, it's really you know it, it's really not very good. Okay, um, just doesn't it doesn't put off enough light I think to capture it. Now, do you feel that the trigger speed that they talk about? I mean, do you feel that you're getting? I mean, there's times. Um, in the, in the last couple of years before, uh, 
you know, trail cameras really started getting, you know, trigger speed was such a huge thing, right? You would, you know, in the, in the rut, I put my trail cameras on trails and I, um, you know, you, you get a lot of deer, the second half of the deer because they're walking through so fast right. and that trigger speed, you know, are you, are you getting, do you feel you're getting the head of the deer in more of those type scenarios or do you, I mean, I guess my question is, do you feel that, that, that camera cutting back lives up to the fast trigger speed that they, they brag about basically? I think it does based upon the experience I've had with other cameras with these older motors that I have. Uh, it definitely has a faster trigger speed than they do because um, I'd either, I don't get blanks with this. Now, sometimes I'll get half a deer, uh, but I think I get less less of those than I have with other cameras that I've used. Um, and if it's a daytime, I mean, I think this is a great, great camera for daytime. I think it does just fine. Then. But, you know, I don't have to tell you, I mean, that when you're trying to do inventories, you know, that that's not going to be where you're going to get the majority of your pictures. Right. That's only half the battle, right? At, yeah, at, at best. Yep. All right. So let's talk about, like, the build. It, uh, what's the build of them? What's the? Uh, have you had any issues with ants getting in, or bugs, or uh, moisture getting inside the camera? No. The, and the build, I think, is one of the cooler aspects of them. They're kind of long, you know, as opposed to a box. They're more of a um, a longer um, shape. And the way that they attach to the tree, you've got a. Uh, you actually have a the strap. And there's a little bracket that goes on the strap that you put on the tree, and then you just slide the camera down. It has two uh, circles on, uh, not circles, but knobs that are uh, that are circles on the back that slide down into that bracket. So it fits really well. Um, to take the uh, SD card out, there's a little cap on the tap on the top, so you don't have to do anything as far as removing the camera, or unstrapping anything, or unclicking anything. That you just take the top off of it. Uh, just it's a little hinge pop it up take out the sd card and you're on your way so it's the the ergonomics aspect of it i think is is pretty is pretty good design um does that so so you don't have to open the camera up really unless you're changing batteries correct or and when you take it off of that you pick it up it slides up off of that bracket you've got it in your hand. So if you've got it in your left hand, you look on the back and if you want to change anything as far as, you know, if you want to change the time or if you want to have a longer delay or you want to do only uh, pictures and no videos or vice versa, you can do all that without opening anything. It's all just right there. Okay. Now talking about that bracket for a second leads me to um, uh, kind of a, a, qu a question because it, they, I don't know who stole it from who or if it's just kind of they both use it, but some tree stand companies have a, a similar type of setup where you put that right. little bracket on and then you slide another like a receiver part of it to the tree stand and they just they slide down in and connect. Then you strap your tree stand in. But right. what I've found out is if you don't have that set up right, so it doesn't really work that well on angled trees or you know mm -hmm. if there's a little crook or if there's a bump you pretty much are sitting in a crooked tree uh if, you, <laughs> if you're using you're sitting in a crooked tree stand if you're using one is are you able to level out your trail camera 
if you do not have that, I guess if, if you are on kind of an angle tree. Yeah. I, I don't know if you ever do this, but I kind of put mine up a little bit higher. I think than most people do. And then I'll like put a stick or something underneath the top of it to point it down a little bit, you know, right. to give it that angle, like a stick between the, the tree and the camera. Okay. To kind of push the top of it out. So, um, I, I forget where I'd read it, but, um, either some podcast, maybe new guys, but, um, a lot of people say that the, the actual, uh, cameras can spook the deer a little bit. So if you put them up a little bit higher, that happens less, you know, they don't hear the mechanism as much. Okay. Uh, so that's what I do. I just kind of put them up at, uh, higher in the tree and then put something behind them as kind of a, you know, just a, a stick back there to level it down, not level it down, but point it down. Okay. So overall, uh, your overall experience I mean, do you have any anything else like any quirks or positives or negatives about cutting back that you'd like to share? Well, I think the double A thing, and I don't know if it's necessarily cutting back, but uh, you had your guy on uh, from the trail cam uh, company talking about the the lithium batteries, right? And uh, the, the nice thing about the, these or double A's, you can use the lithium batteries, so that that's been a big benefit. I think uh, they're not cheap, but I think they really last a long time. But Right. Overall, I think you know when you look at it, it's uh, it's it's a decent value for the money. But I'm not sure that there hasn't been other uh, cameras that have come out that are quite a bit better than it. You okay. may have to spend more, but you know if that's what you want, I guess that's what you got to do. Right, right. And trail cameras are so funny because they're they're and I hate to say it, they're almost all the same. Uh, and, but then there are some that stand out a bit. You know what I mean? And Mm-hmm. it's like they stand out a little bit from the crowd, but in, in regards to your uh, comment about lithium batteries, if you guys are interested on, or I guess interested in learning more about why the lithium batteries are important for your trail camera, I don't actually have, I can't remember what the actual link is, but you can go to exodusoutdoorgear.com And one of the owners wrote an article about, using lithium batteries. So you should go visit that and learn why lithium batteries are important when running a trail camera. You know, the crappy part about them is I just went and spent $150 (laughs) on, on lithium batteries, but they're going to last you a long time as opposed to, I mean, so the, the cost analysis that you're doing, the cost over time is probably going to equal out. So, yeah. So would you recommend? I hope you're right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So would you would you recommend uh, cuttybacks to other other hunters out there? I would if they knew. You know, just read the reviews because I mean, this is I'm not breaking ground here. I mean, the reviews are out there that say that the nighttime picture. So if that's not a big deal to you, right? You know, then I think they're decent. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a better. you know, that there aren't better cameras out there that aren't that much more expensive. So I, I may take a step up next time I buy some. Gotcha. All right. All right. Now, last, uh, the last stand, and I want to pull up the web or the last product we're going to, we're going to look at, and that is the X, X stand climber. And I'm going to pull up the website here real quick. Cool. And, and, uh, and the one I have is the X one. The X1, okay, and that's yeah. at xstand.com. All right, so um, correct. 
are you strictly a climber hunter or do you use hang-ons and ladder stands as well? Um, I use hang-ons. I have a ladder stand that I don't use very often, uh, but no, I'm not a strict uh, climber. Okay. So why, why this, why do you like this stand so much? Um, well, the reason I got a climber is I was doing some uh, public land hunting out at uh, Fort Knox. Um, on the base out there, they have uh, an additional hunt that you can sign up for, and it doesn't count against your in-state one buck we get here in Kentucky. So that's kind of a cool thing. Okay. Um, and I'm not I'm I'm uh, 57 years old, so um, weight is huge. And the reason that I start when I started looking for a climber was weight was going to be a big consideration. You know, how much to think. And this is the uh, lightest climber that you can buy on the market. It's 11 pounds. Okay. Does the first thing when you said 11 pounds, the first thing that came to my mind was, do you feel comfortable? I mean, when you're attached to the tree and you start going up, are are you, do you have a confident, comfortable feeling about the stand? I, I definitely do. And that that's, you know, the other piece of it that's remarkable to me is that it's a 300 pound rated uh, the platform, I'm just looking at it here with you, but the platform is really big. I, I wear a size 13 shoe. I'm 6'2 and about 240. Okay. Um, and it's, um, yeah, it's very comfortable. It's very solid. Um, there's no feeling of, uh, I mean, I feel just as good in it as I do sitting in my lone wolf. Okay. Do you, uh, what other, what other climbers, I mean, did you go into this looking specifically for a climber when you bur- purchased this or were you just kind of like, well, I'm, I might, I might have a climber or I might buy some hang on and some more sticks. Uh, I was looking specifically for a climber. Okay. Um, I already had hang ons. Um, you know, this is the first climber that I've ever purchased. And the reason being is, is, um, the best places, you know, as everybody, we all talk that you guys interview every time, um, that's majority of the time, the best places on public land, you know, you're going to take a little while to get back to them. Um, and from that perspective, I didn't really feel, uh, that I wanted to lug my lone wolf and my sticks, you know, mile and a half, two and a half miles back in and back out. If there was a decent, a decent climber. Okay. Now. What other climbing tree stands did you look at before you decided on this one? Um, I looked at Old Man. Um, I looked at uh, Summit. Um, I'm fortunate or cursed, depending on how you look at it. I have a Cabela's about three quarters of a mile from my house. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, That's bad news. I'd yeah. be divorced if I, <laughs> if I had a Cabela's that close. Exactly. Uh, so I'm fortunate to go up there and, uh, you know, can kind of look at just about everything. So, um, I I did some reviews, uh, read reviews and, um, this was relatively new at the time. I think they'd only been out for a couple of years, but, um, I just, I I think it's fantastic. I mean, the way that it's made, uh, as you're looking at it, you have this rod, this, um, steel rod that goes around that's covered, uh, with rubber. So it's extremely quiet. And these bases, the reason they call it the X stand, if you look at the back of it, you can't really see from the picture there, but the weight actually bites this into the tree a lot differently than a regular hang-on or a regular uh, stand. It actually, um, 
the way the X portion goes into it, it bites at a lot better angle. Um, and then these these back pieces here really grip the tree grip the tree more um, than most of the uh, climbers. I mean, it, it's the best feeling climber I've been in. Okay. As far as stability. Gotcha. Now, as you you know you're you're looking for it and you find you finally said okay. What were some of the other attributes of this stand that you liked to to help you, I guess, make the make the purchase? Sure. Um, again, you know, I think it all it all began with the weight. I mean, if you're looking at this versus, you know, sticks and a hang on, you know, you're looking at 25 pounds. And most of the climbers that are out there that are decent, you know, that again to your point. Uh, how do you feel comfort, uh, confident wise in them, um, are up in the 20 pound range. Right. So I just didn't want to lug that much weight if there was an alternative, but they have these uh, composite flex arms that are on the side that push those, push that loop that the, is the back portion of the climber up against the tree. Um, it's very, it was, I think it was really well made as far as sound, pr uh, protection. There's, um, rubber on the areas where you bolt those things in or lock in the little uh the little pieces on the sides into the uh the stand itself all of it's really really quiet uh they sit inside each other the two pieces do and you just have a bungee cord basically it comes with it that keeps them together and then the straps uh work for backpack as you're carrying it in that also keep the the two different pieces together as you're going up the tree all right and uh going up the tree uh mm -hmm. easy compared to other i mean did you hunt with a lot of other climbers before this one or was it is this your very first climber this is the first climber i've ever hunted with okay. uh, i used a lot of I had friends climbers that i tried out uh before i bought that you know had some decent ones um and this is the the light aspect of it is not only important as you're packing it in or out, but to the question that you had, it makes it really fast going up and down the tree because it doesn't weigh much. Um, it's just, you know, again, I'm 57 years old, so I'm not like some, some young buck out there, but it's easy for me going up and down with this. In fact, uh, it's so simple. One thing I use it for in addition to hunting is when I'm hanging other stands. Oh, I see. I got yeah, you. I mean, because it makes a lot light, of sense. Light to carry around. Yeah. Huh. So you you'll put a stand on your back, both both stands. You'll take them into a hunting spot, and then you'll climb climb up using this, and then you yep. and then hang the stand. So you basically have a platform to stand on while you're hanging. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it's a lot easier than I think you'd mentioned this in a podcast before. So one of the tough one of the little tough things that we don't think about too much when we're hanging our stands when we have those sticks that are offset for the legs, right? Right. And so, you know, you're hanging up there and you've got your, you've got your, uh, your lineman's belt, yep. you know, you're leaning back against that, which is fine, but your legs aren't at the same level. Right. You know, one's higher than the other one. And that can kind of, as you're hanging stuff that can kind of, you know, wear on you. Um, but with this, if I'm using this to hang those things with, then I'm just standing on a platform, which is a lot easier. You know, I've got a, a, a bow line, a rope down to the other stand. And after I've climbed up there, then I pull it up, set it and I go back down. Takes so, a little bit longer, but it's a heck of a lot easier. Yeah, I believe it. Now, price. Uh, this looks like it's three hundred bucks. Mm -hmm. The X one that you that we're talking about today. 
What about the other, do you remember some of the other prices for other climbers that you were looking at? Yeah, this one wasn't just completely, um, you know, bottom line, cheaper than every one other, every other one that's out there, but it's cheaper than Lone Wolf. And I'm not picking on Lone Wolf. I've got a Lone Wolf uh, hang on I love, uh, but it was cheaper than the Summit. And I think the reason it was cheaper uh, than most of them is it's just not that well known. I mean, they were just getting started when I got this three years ago. Uh, you see more of them now. I think they sponsor a couple of TV shows. I think I've seen them on some stuff like they all do now. Right. But uh, 300 bucks was not uh, was not markedly uh, – it was definitely cheaper than most of the top-end ones. Uh, and it was definitely uh, you know, not just super inexpensive. I mean, it's not cheap. Right. Okay. So – you know, before we started recording, you told me, "Hey, this is an awesome." You know, you you love. I mean, you really like this uh, this tree stand. Did you find yourself this last hunting season using your climber more than your other tree stands because you did like this so much? Um, no, and the reason why is something that you know. I mean, I think all of us that use them, there's it's that mentality of, you know, you'd rather go find a tree the right tree than the right tree that works with a climber. So um, I've got stands on my place uh, in spots that I like. And if I don't like them, I'll generally move those stands. Uh, but And I'll use this too, but I don't use it more than uh, the lone wolf or any of the others unless I'm doing some public land hunting, which uh, anytime I'm going to go hunt somewhere that isn't my place, I definitely use this. Okay. So anything else that you want to tell us about this uh, this X stand? Um, I would just make sure that if I was looking for a, a climber that I either got a hold of somebody that had one of these or investigate it because that's really to me the, the the big piece of it. A, it's a great product, but when you're talking about eleven and a half pounds, uh, it makes all the difference if you hunt a lot. I mean, it just right. you know, especially if you're getting older, uh, that's just that much less weight that you're carrying. Right. Right. Sounds good. So, would you recommend this to people who are looking for a climbing tree stand? Absolutely. I think they ought to check it out before they buy one. Perfect. Perfect. Now, before we end this podcast, I want to talk, we got some time left. I want to BS with you a little bit about hunting gear. And I just want to ask you when, when you're looking for hunting gear and it can, it can be any product really. Um, are there certain products for you that you might skimp on and say, well, it's not that important to me uh, of a, it's not what you would consider that important of a product to spend a ton of money on it. Because we all know that there's products out there and every product category has expensive to dirt cheap. Are there, mm-hmm. are there products out there that you would say, yeah, I'll, I'll buy the cheapos because I don't care if I lose it or break it. I, I, I need one. I use one, but I don't care. Yeah, I think, and again, I think it's what's relative too, as far as expensive, right? What's right. expensive and cheap? And I, I think the first thing we talked about with the, or the thing with the trail cameras, I don't see me ever spending a ton of money on. Okay. Um, you know, I don't have to have a, a uh, museum quality picture of a deer. You know, right. <laughs> as long as it's taken a good solid picture, um, that's fine by me. Uh, okay. Now, what? But, a, yeah, I don't think that I would use a. 
I think that's the best example I'd use of not spending too much. Okay. Now, when you start looking for a product, um, whether it's camo or trail cameras or, you know, your broadheads or our arrows, are there, are, is on the opposite side of that, are there products out there or gear that you're like, I don't really care how much it costs. I'm going to buy it because I think it's that, I mean, for, for this, uh, this X stand, let's say it was 400 or $450. Would you still have purchased it because it works so good? Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, maybe, maybe, um, I just, you know, to me, the, the big key on this was weight and, um, you know, I don't know, there's definitely a limit that I would have spent, but, uh, that was such a driving force behind the purchase that, uh, you know, I probably would have paid more for it. Right. Right. So, I mean, what about other products? Are there any other products that you can think of that you're like, man, I need, I I'm willing to spend the extra money because I know that price will reflect quality. I think there's there's some things that are more uh, indispensable, you know, not to make this the uh, ozonics conversation again, right. but I mean things like that, that that you know are the difference for you right. uh, between success and failure. Um, you know, obviously, to me, the other thing that really matters is gear that will allow me to do longer sets. Yeah. You know, being comfortable. So, I mean, the right kind of right kind of clothing uh, is important. Uh, right kind of boots, you know, that work for you. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll spend money on things like that. I've used uh, the um, the Thermosel, not only sells, you know, Thermosel, that's another one, you know, I would not go without using yeah. that. And they also do battery uh, inserts for boots that are remote control that will keep your feet warm. Yeah. And those things aren't cheap, but, you know, th- things that will keep me out there or keep me comfortable, um, I'm I'm pretty aggressive on what I'll use. To right. stay out there right now not this past year but the year before the rut in iowa was probably one of the coldest that i've hunted i just remember being 14 15 degrees before the sun came up and then high temps of uh mid-20s for the day and i'd never i i can never remember hunting in in something like that and i ended up that year at the end of um at the end of that year, you know, just knowing, Hey, I got to make a change because I need to spend more time in the timber. And I just remember standing in, in a, our local, um, sporting goods store here. It's called uh, shields. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was staring, looking at this vest that was made by Sitka. And I just remember, God, man, that's expensive. That's expensive. That's expensive. That, and that's just, it kept going through my, my, my head. And then I ended up saying, screw it. I bought it. It was well over a hundred dollars. It was probably close to 150, maybe 160. And it was uh, a vest. And I wore this vest almost every hunt. Uh, so I got my money out of it, but it was an absolute game changer for me because because I felt so comfortable in the stand, I could wear less clothing. I could sit longer. I, you know, all these things like you mentioned, and it's almost like the gear, you know, if it make, if we feel comfortable, it's worth it to us. And it's not necessarily, 
Because I know a lot of, you know, there's still a lot of this out there. Where it's like, oh, that product's crap or that pro- product's crap. But the people who use those products find some sort of, you know, comfortableness with them. And they, you know, maybe I'm just jabbering here, but um, I mean, you know what, I, do, you, do you get where I'm trying to go? <laughs> Absolutely. No, Dan, I, I mean, I think the big thing is, um, and that's, you know, the hex might be like that too. I mean, right, if somebody right. believes it's helping them, you know, if it makes you feel like you're there, you know, who's going to say different? But I, I totally agree on um, the ability to be comfortable in the stand and to be able to stay out there longer when you need to. Or, you know, you don't wake up at four in the morning and look at that temperature and go, man, I can't handle that today. Well, right. if you've got the right gear, you know you can, so you go. Amen. Amen. So are there any products or is there a product out there that you're kind of eyeing right now? and uh but haven't purchased yet you know it's so funny i again back to this having the cabela so close i can walk through there and it's frustrating that there's not something that i want <laughs> um i mean <laughs> I, I you know and i'm not complaining it's a great no. thing i mean but i do i keep an eye out for new things i'm open to try things obviously right. with some of the things we talked about today but there's not something that's jumped out i think the next evolution for me though um, this isn't that sexy of a thing, but I'm probably going to go to a back tension release. Yeah. Um, thinking, yeah. Of, thinking about doing that. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm real comfortable with how accurate I am and uh, haven't had a lot of issues with that, but I just think it's the next step in evolution. So uh, beyond that, that's the only thing that uh, I'm looking at right now. That may be um, the, these new things that they're using with the, uh, with the uh, ozone uh, closets. Oh, yeah. You know, there's a couple of people, not just Ozonics, but I've been doing that on my own. Uh, Scentlock had a thing that they were selling on their website, which is a small ozone uh, maker that fits in your hand. And I just put my gear in a plastic tub and throw that thing in there. Right. uh, And it plugs in. It's like 30 bucks. So I've been doing that before. But I think ozone is just I think it's going to explode. Oh yeah, it hasn't already. Yeah, it's 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 exploding right now that at the beginning of what last year or year before the there was maybe one or two players in the ozone game and now you know with scent crusher with ozonics with oh gosh mm-hmm. um i can't i can't remember the other name of, of them they they make a little plug-in unit that you can plug into your wall or plug into your truck um cigarette lighter yeah. so ozone is here and they got the um scent crusher bags that looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The the giant closet yep. from uh, the big closet from Ozonics. So yeah, ozone is uh, and I don't, me and you we're kind of on the same page when it comes to it. But if you guys haven't done any reading or research on ozone, do it if you're that kind of person. I know there's some people out there who think that you know that takes away the the woodsmanship of of a hunter. But uh, I'm the opposite. I feel that. that uh, if I can get something like this to get me just a little bit closer, so be it. Agreed. Cool. Well, I tell you what, Tom, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show, taking time out of your day to uh, let me ask you a whole bunch of questions. It was my pleasure, and uh, I really appreciate what you guys do. Uh, love the love the podcast and listen to it. I uh, look forward to it every time that it comes down, and uh, thanks for having me on. And there you have it. 
Huge shout out to Tom for taking time to come on the show, review those products for us. Hopefully you guys got some information or maybe had some question answers, question answers, some questions answered about uh, those products that you may have had, maybe not. But uh, thank you, Tom. Thank you, the listener, for tuning in. I really appreciate every week you guys are tuning in and... uh, I'm seeing definite growth on the podcast, and I have you to thank for that. Another huge shout-out to Exodus Trail Cameras. Again, if you guys haven't had the chance to go check out these trail cameras, be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. And if you do purchase, make sure you enter the code 9FINGERS. That's the number 9 followed by the word FINGERS, and you can receive $20 off your purchase. So that's pretty cool. Other than that... Make sure you guys check me out on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. And if you want to be on the show and review products, uh, send me an email at ninefingerchronicles at gmail.com. And uh, we can review some products. Uh, You can be on the Hunter Profile podcast where we talk about uh, basically where you hunt maybe some exciting hunts that you've had, maybe a particular hunt that you've had uh, where you were successful um, from 2014 or 15 or 1952 if uh, you were hunting back then. But but yeah, hit me up if you want to be on the podcast. We can maybe have a little discussion. Other than that, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and uh, be sure to subscribe to iTunes, leave a comment, leave a review. And uh, it is that time of year where we should all be out in the timber doing some scouting and setting up some trail cameras and setting up some tree stands. If you're going to set up a tree stand, make sure you wear your damn safety harness. Wear your... God, I can't even talk some days. Wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.